0: there we go afternoon everyone good to see you in the room this is always a difficulty I was saying this to the guys when you put on a great seminar like this but then they open the slip and slide at the same time it's always a difficulty um you're you're so welcome to the seminar first seminar today and uh, we've with both the guys here with us we do Yesnagar, who's going to be sharing tonight um but one of the guys from the ministry joe connor He's here with us. Joe is from England forward slash America. So you might hear a mix of accents in the room today. And the guys are here from Elam Ministries. They're reporting and sharing just on the work that's happening in in Iran. And today, just even as we start into this, um, I shared this. We've been speaking into this verse even in our own church. My name's Dave. I'm from Emmanuel Church in Lurgan. And we've been sharing this just in our own church community, church fellowship over the last while in this verse. In Acts chapter 1. Verse 8, Jesus says these words to us as his church, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And it's, it's our prayer that even as, as we pass over to Jonah, He's going to come and is going to bring you through just the work of Elam and what they do, it's our hope today, you know, that firstly we can be informed we can be informed how we can pray well for the church in Iran. It's, it's our prayer, you know, that we will be inspired by some of the stories that we will hear. But, you know, over and above that, this is our hope and this is our prayer that all of us will just be caught up with the reality of what it is to sit with the command of Jesus to be his witness as we hear stories today, that we be inspired to be his witnesses afresh where we're at. And so, Joe, why don't you come up, and I'm going to pray for you just as we start in. But this, this is our hope as we, as we open ourselves today and uh, as we center ourselves, God, that you would inspire us, enthuse us by what you're doing, what you're doing through your church in Iran. But God, use us, fill us afresh in this time. So why don't you stretch out your hands towards Joe, can you? Father, I thank you for Joe, I thank you for David, I thank you for them both being here and representing just the work of Elam Ministry. So thank you God for what you're doing with your church in Iran. I thank you for the stories that these guys have that they're about to share and to deposit with us. But Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that there would be much more than just a deposit of a story. We pray there would be a deep impartation of your call and your commission afresh, Jesus, for us as your church to be your witnesses. I pray that as we hear stories, God, of your church in Iran that are bearing witness to your gospel, Jesus, I pray, Lord, that we would be moved, God, to be a people of prayer for them, but, God, over and above that, there'll be, be a people that we moved as your church afresh to bear witness of your name, Jesus. And so, God, I just pray a blessing over Joe as he speaks now. Come, Holy Spirit, and anoint him, even in this space, as he and David share, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Um.
1: Wow. Thank you for choosing this seminar over the slip and slide. You all look like you were eager to get out there on the slip and slide with the kids. Um, no, me, me and David are actually really, really excited to be here this weekend with you. And um, I've been really blessed just last night being with you, worshiping and listening to the message. And um, we're hoping that today we can share a few stories with you. David's going to be speaking later on tonight as well. uh, That will encourage you. And actually last night when Andy was speaking, was everybody here last night or, yep? Okay, when Andy was speaking last night, he talked about a seed. He came up and kind of gave that message before his message and he talked about a seed and my kind of spirit inside of me jumped because... That has been a prayer for us at Elam for the church in the West. We believe that God is doing something truly, truly remarkable in the Iran region. And we believe that the story can be a seed in your life that stirs your imagination to what's possible with Jesus. And the funny thing about um, like an event like Nua is we come here... And we get super excited, and we maybe encounter God, and maybe God uses us to pray for somebody, or we see some miracle, and we're really, really excited. But what God is actually giving us is just a seed. Like what you receive this weekend is just a seed, whether it's from me, David, one of the other speakers, the worship team, you receive a seed. And a lot of times, what we're in danger of doing at a festival like Newer or one of these others' encounters is we take that seed and we put it on the mantelpiece and we say, that is the best thing about Christianity. That is what I live for. That is what I look forward to. But what the Lord wants to do is he wants to take this seed, place it in you, and he wants you to go out and produce a harvest a hundredfold. So as you're listening to me today and the other speakers, I just want to encourage you, all I'm giving is a seed. But I believe that if you take that, you will see greater things than you can even imagine. I really, really believe that. So let me uh, start talking to you about the church in Iran. So maybe some of you have heard rumors and stories about the man in white coming into people's dreams. You've heard of these miracles and things like that. And some of those rumors are true, and I'll share some of those stories. But I first want to give you just a little quick overview of, of what's currently happening. So if we can show the first slide. The slides coming up, I can't see if they're coming up. They're not coming up on here. <laughs> all right, so is the first slide, El- did you say Elam? It was, all right, so Elam's mission is to strengthen and expand the church in the Iran region and beyond. Does everybody know where Iran is? You guys are geography experts. So just put out the second picture. Iran is in the heart of the Middle East. This is right where pretty much all of those countries are Islamic countries. Um, But what I want you to see from this picture is, this is actually a very biblical land. So in your Bibles, we think of Persia, we think of King Cyrus, we think of the prophet Daniel in the Old Testament, we think of the wise men. All of this is Persian history. So even we think of Iran now, but you have to remember it's got this ancient history of where God has moved and God has done amazing things and he's doing something special again today. But what is Iran like now? If we can just go to the the next slide, Um, I'm going to give you just a quick, some of you may remember this, in 1979, the Islamic Revolution happened. Uh, What did that mean? What happened before that? Iran was ruled by a Shah, by a king. They had good relationships with the West. There was trade. The schools were open. Women could walk around however they wanted. We won't go into the details, but there was a revolution, and pretty much what happened, uh, Ayatollah came in, and he became the supreme leader Iran became an Islamic country pretty much overnight. Missionaries were kicked out. Over time, many churches were closed. Bibles became illegal. Sharia law was enforced. So women who were walking around open one day, the next day they had to cover up. So women became second-class citizens and Islam was put upon the people. All right, so for the last 40 years, Iran has been under this regime. There's an ayatollah who is the supreme leader and the the leaders of Iran, they believe pretty much that it's their job to spread Islam to the world. They hate Israel, they hate the West. I have friends that when they went to school, they would say their Islamic prayers in the morning and then they would chant death to Israel, death to America. So this is the state of Iran's government and so maybe you've seen pictures like the next slide and maybe you think of iran and you think of war and you think of nuclear weapons and they always seem to be in the news for bad reasons right this is true maybe in recent years just go to the next slide we're going through quick maybe you've seen this does anybody remember the protests that happened in iran over the last year maybe you saw them in the news women one woman uh who was walking around with a, without a headscarf on was arrested and beaten. She died. It sparked protests where all these Iranian people came out and started crying out, women, life, freedom. Okay, this are, these are real stories. This is what really happening. So what you see in the news, you've got this government that rules Iran, but you've got a people group, and a lot of the people there are disillusioned with the government, and they want something different. And the amazing thing is, because they're disillusioned with the government, they're also disillusioned with Islam, which the government stands for, so their hearts are open to new things. Um, but here's here's um, here's another thing that Andy said last night. I actually thought that joke. Well, it wasn't a joke. The story he told about the horse was really funny, and. Um, it reminded me, I'm English, born and raised in Manchester, but I live in America. My wife is American. And it reminded me of America. I won't go into politics too much, but in America, they have two major news stations. They have CNN and they have Fox News. And one of them supports one political side and the other one supports the other political side. And you can, they, they can report on the exact same story and the narrative is completely different. And after I've spoken to somebody for about 10, 15 minutes in America, I can kinda tell where they're getting their news from, right? So I thought it was really, really important when uh, Andy was talking about the reality that we see things with. And so as we think about what narrative are we listening to, I wanna ask you what narrative are you listening to about Ireland? What narrative are you listening to about what God's doing around the world? And so even though the government in Iran is not very nice, they've got this Islamic regime, there's all these protests, there's all these hardships. I wanna tell you that God is writing a beautiful story in Iran. Jesus is very much alive and amazing things are happening. So I'm gonna tell you two stories right now that happened around the time of these protests. So they're about a year old so this is a new testament an iranian a, a farsi new testament farsi is the language that they speak in iran and one of the things we do with our people we train them that in evangelism they give out a new testament now this book is illegal in iran so when you distribute the bible in iran you're in danger of arrest you're in danger of going to prison you're in danger of getting beaten But people are distributing these Bibles by the thousands. It's quite amazing. And so people that come on our training, we encourage them to go out and evangelize and give the scriptures out when they do it. So just a week before these protests erupted, um, one of our ladies who had been on some training, she was going out to evangelize. So she would carry a New Testament like this, and sometimes they wrap it up in gift wrapping paper so it's not so noticeable and they'll say I have a gift for you and they'll give it to somebody and the lady was walking around with a bible and she said she was actually quite nervous because I mean you can you can imagine why she was nervous and she saw a group of university age girls sitting in the park she said there was about 10 of them and she felt the lord tell her to go give the new testament to that group of people so she went over introduced herself gave them the new Testament. and and walked away. And she kind of walked away, but she was watching from the shadows to see how they would respond. And the girls started arguing amongst themselves, and they started shouting at each other. And she was like, oh no, they're going to come and get me. They're going to go and tell somebody I'm going to get in trouble. And one of the girls came up to her and said, we all want one of these New Testaments. Can you come and bring us back some more? And she only had one of them. And the reason why I tell that story is because when you see the pictures of those protests, it's a lot of young women that are willing to go out on the streets. They're willing to take off their headscarves and burn them. They're willing to put their life on the line for what they say women, life, and freedom. And what is really deep in the hearts of these people is what is deep in the hearts of all people in Ireland. It's freedom. It's freedom. It's love, is acceptance, and all of that is found in the New Testament. It's found in the gospel. And I think one of the, the, the biggest things that I've learned from working with many Iranian people is that they're convinced that the gospel is still the answer. They are convinced that the gospel is still really the best news we can share with anybody. And they risk their freedoms, they risk so many things by sharing the gospel with people. But because they've been transformed by it themselves, they're willing to go out and tell everybody. And it's really, really wonderful. And I think in the Western church, we sometimes forget that the gospel is really, really good news. And inside of the hearts of each person in Ireland, in America, in England, wherever you are, every single person was made in the image of God. And every single person was built with eternity in their hearts, and they long for it and were the answer because the gospel lives in you. And the Iranian people seem to just get that. They're like, wow, this is amazing. My life has been changed. Everybody needs to know this. And they are convinced that the gospel is really good news. Another story that came out of the protests um, there was an 18 or 19 year old boy and he was in the middle of the protest and there was, there was gunfire, I mean it was real danger. People were really beaten, people were killed, people were put in prison. This 18, 19 year old boy was shot. Um, he had a bullet wound and he couldn't go to the hospital because if he went to the hospital, they'd know that he was at the protest and he'd get put in prison. So he went home And one of his neighbors was a Christian. And so they went over and they prayed for him. They were able to get a doctor to come and see him. They treated him. They cared for him. And his parents, after a few days said to the Christians who who had been in, in one of the house churches, they said, who are you that you would love us like this? Now, remember, all of these people are from a Muslim background. They said, who are you? that you would love us like this. And over time, the boy who was shot and the parents became Christians and they're now being disabled in a house church. And there are stories like this over and over and over again. The gospel is really, really good news. Jesus is alive and regular people who have been touched by the love of Jesus are going out extending that love to other people regardless of the risk. This is a beautiful thing. And again, I just want these stories to encourage and inspire you. Um, God is writing a beautiful story in Iran. It's not Elam stories, but we're invited into the story. And so if we can go to the next slide, I'll tell you a little bit about what Elam do. We train, we equip, and we send. What does that mean? We train national leaders. So we train men and women from inside Iran. We have lots of different training programs. We equip them. We equip them with things like the scriptures. We print and distribute scriptures. um, And we send them to plant house churches and go to evangelize and go and disciple train, equips, and it's not Elam's story, it's God's story, but we've been invited in and we're playing our role and it's amazing. And you know what? God is writing a beautiful story in Ireland and you guys are invited into that story and we're all called to just play our role within the story. It's his story and he invites us in. And if we just dwell on that for a little bit, I find myself completely overwhelmed that the God of heaven would invite me into his story. And I pray that some of these things I'm sharing in you would just stir that imagination with you to what is possible in Ireland. So I want to talk a little bit next about the New Testament. So if we can go to the next slide. This New Testament that you see in my hand, uh, a team from Elam along with some other partners were able to translate the Bible into modern-day Farsi. So the last... Um, translation of the Bible was from like the 1800s. It was very, very, very old. Again, remember the Bible became illegal. And so a team worked on this Bible and the New Testament was finished in 2003, 20 years ago. So we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of the New Testament in Farsi in modern language. And 20 years ago, it was estimated that there was about four to 5,000 Christians from a Muslim background inside Iran. Okay, it's a country of about 80 million people. So four to 5,000 from a Muslim background, really, really small. Just before that, there'd been a, a, a handful of leaders, Christian leaders that had been killed for their faith. People had been sent to prison. People were worried that the church might just dwindle away and die. No missionaries could go there, remember? So a very small church, And then this tiny book was translated and it started to go into Iran. And the leaders of the churches started to say, please send us more Bibles. Please send us more Bibles. The government went on national TV and said, do not read this book. This is an illegal book. And in the last 20 years... The Church of Iran has gone from about four to 5,000 Christians from a Muslim background to around a million. So we're giving kind of conservative estimates. We really don't know how many Christians are inside Iran. But what I can tell you is that I have met hundreds and hundreds of these people personally. I have heard transform life after transformed life. And the people that are working inside Iran, they're always telling me everyday people are getting saved. Every single day, people are coming to Christ. And so, yes, the stories about the man in white are true. I know people who went to bed as Muslims and woke up as Christians. Yes, Jesus is moving through miracles and signs and wonders. People who were addicted to drugs are being transformed. Husbands who abuse their wives are, are not doing it anymore. Marriages are being restored. All these things are happening. The gospel is good news. Lives are being changed. But the most common testimony that I've heard from people from inside Iran is simply this. Somebody gave me a gospel, I read it, and I gave my life to Jesus. I'm I'm telling you, like over and over again, I hear that testimony. The miracles, I love them. The dreams, I love them. These encounters with Jesus, I love them. But the power of the scriptures is exactly the same today as it was when Jesus died on the cross when he rose from the dead. This book is alive and it is changing people inside Iran and it will change people in Ireland as well. It really will. Now, it's a little bit different in Ireland, right? Because we've got our, same as in England, we've got our whole religious history and people are cautious about religion and this and that. But if they read this gospel and they read about a God who loves them and they read about a God who forgives, And women in Iran read that book for the first time and Jesus spoke to women at the well. You know, Jesus spoke to the women, Jesus loved the women. They are amazed that there is a God in heaven who loves women. And it's the same stories that's changing people in Iran. The same gospel is what's gonna do it in Ireland. Do not underestimate the power of the scriptures. Again, the gospel is really, really good news. I just, I encourage you, you know, like, Many people know about church. Many people have been to church. I grew up going to church. I didn't have any clue what it meant to follow Jesus. I actually come from an Irish Catholic background. I know Catholic people who absolutely love Jesus. For me, it was just pure tradition that we did as a family. When I was 19, someone shared the gospel with me, and I fell in love with Jesus. And it transformed everything about my life. Do not underestimate encouraging people to just simply read the gospel. They might hate church. They might have a bad, you know, a bad experience with Christians. And you just, have you actually ever read the gospel? It's a really good story. You should try it. It's very, very powerful. Um, It's, uh, Jesus is alive and working in Iran. And Elam, we are seeing amazing, amazing things, but it's really simple. Jesus is alive, the gospel is good news, and people's hearts truly, truly desire it. They really desire it. So, um, I talked about there's thousands of house churches across Iran, there's hundreds of thousands of people coming to Christ. By God's grace, Elam, we finished the full Bible as well, that was done in 2014, We've distributed literally millions of scriptures across the Iran region in the last 20 years. I think we're around 3 million. So there's all these big, big numbers of what God is doing in Iran. I want to encourage you. This is real. This is happening today. This is not stories from 50 years ago, 100 years ago. This is happening right now. The God of the Bible is alive and he's working. But all these big numbers behind every number is a real person, a real life transformed. And so I wanna show you, I could have picked hundreds of of testimonies and videos we could have showed you, but I wanna show you this video. So this is a video of a friend of mine. I just want you to enjoy this, uh, this video. It's about four minutes. (laughs) As (laughs) a (laughs)
2: As <laughs> a teenager, these talent was identified. at twenty one, he signed for one of Iran's <laughs> biggest teams, <laughs> I don't know if you want like to start from Kaylee. I don't know from don't <laughs> <laughs> With his whole career in the balance, Sierrash became depressed. But his sister had become a Christian, and she offered to pray for him. For was excited by his new faith and started reading the Bible he started to evangelize to his teammates. the But Siavash didn't anticipate the price he would pay for sharing Jesus. But by his team, his agent tried to orchestrate and for away. His new faith had ended his dreams in football. Siavash never regretted his decision to follow Christ. With his family, he left Iran for Turkey. Here, he found an Elam church and was disciplined. But Siavash couldn't help feeling. Output Out of the limelight, Sirach faithfully served in the church. His pastor Samuel realized that Sirach had a special point. Siavash was invited to Elon's three-month course where he grew. He was prepared to let go of the thoughts that God could use his love for football. Siavash I that. we've the to the continued to pray what the future would look like. Later at an Elam
0: conference, an unexpected door opened.
2: <laughs> Sivash knew this is what he was called for. He was trained and started football ministry to reach and disciple refugee kids across the region. And today, there are football academies in 12 cities across Serbia. Each week, hundreds of children come, play football, and hear about clubs. They many of and your And many of these children with their families are starting to come to church. و خیلی هیجان هنگیز هست برشون بیان کلیسا و مخوام قلبشون رو به ایسا <موسیقی> من یه من بویه واقعا گفتم چقدر خدا داره همی چیزی رو برای من فرمان میکنه و که من از مسائل بده شما پیش میگیرم واقعا دیدم که خدا داره اون, دید دید دید. اون, دید. اون دید. چیزی که من فکر می کنم از
1: So, I um, bet you're glad you skipped out on the slip and slide now, aren't you? Um, that video is actually uh, a few years old and uh, Sivash is still doing that work. The football academies are actually in about 24 cities across Turkey. Thousands of people, lives have been impacted, it's inside Iran, Afghanistan, we've trained people in Greece to do football ministry as well, it's, it's actually quite amazing. But um, like I said, I could have chosen lots of different testimonies and stories to kind of grab your attention. And as I was praying and thinking about Siavash's story, what I love about this is that Siavash came to Christ through an incredible encounter. I'm I'm friends with Siavash. I speak to him often, and his knee was really badly injured, and he, he had complete healing of it. And he was able to play football again. And when we come to a newer festival or we think about encountering God and we think about these moments, we all long for these moments and they're wonderful. But what I love about Siavash's story is that he still said yes to Jesus after the miracle. So he still said yes to Jesus when his football team wouldn't let him play anymore. And he still said yes to Jesus when things in his life started going wrong, and he had to leave Iran with his family, with three kids, like the beautiful little girls he's got. He had to take them away from his home and leave as a refugee. He still said yes to Jesus, and when he thought his dream of being involved in football was over, he still said yes to Jesus, and so my point is this. When we come to newer and we and we go after God, and we want to experience God, and we talk about miracles, and we talk about encounters, and I love all that stuff. I love a good worship session. I was actually close to tears. I don't like, uh, um, I don't like uh, saying that I was crying, but I was close to tears last night in the worship. It was beautiful, and I love that. But the beautiful thing about the church in Iran Is that they say yes to Jesus whatever season of life they're in? Is it a season of persecution? Say yes to Jesus. Is it a season of suffering? Is it a season where you're maybe not hearing the voice of God? What does it look like for you to say yes to Jesus in the season that you're in? Because the church of Iran wasn't always in a harvest like it is now. The church of Iran has been under intense persecution. The leaders of the church in Iran thought it was just like, what is going on? What are we doing? But they kept saying yes to Jesus. And because people have been saying yes to Jesus, stories like this happen. And so I just want to truly, truly encourage you. I really hope these stories are stirring your imagination. I hope something is bubbling up inside of you that says, yes, I want to say yes every day. I want to say yes when people at work think I'm silly or I've I've taken my religion too far. You cannot take Jesus too far. You can get weird and religious, like there's weird religious people out there. But you can't go too far with Jesus. You can't. He's so, so beautiful. And all of us, even the person who knows Jesus the best at this whole festival, has barely tasted just an ounce of his goodness and his beauty, and he wants to reveal it to us. And the reason we tell these stories, the reason why I travel and I go to all different places and tell these stories, yes, I want you to pray for the church in Iran. Yes, I want you to partner with us and help us. But I want you to know that the God of the Bible is real. He is alive. These stories are supposed to draw us closer to the heart of God. And I want a holy jealousy to kind of build up inside of you that says, I want that. I want that for Ireland. I'm raising my kids in America, okay? I love America. There's great things about America and there's really weird things about America, okay? I'm raising my kids in America. I want them to experience that same Jesus. I want these stories. I want what God is doing in Iran to pull something out of you that goes, that's the God that I serve. And just like Siavash, God wants to use me. There are men and women who look like the most unlikely people that God could use. And they are leading so many people to the Lord in in, in Iran. All right. David, I just want to share one more story before I invite you up. This is a story. I think this story is maybe a year old. Okay. So maybe a six months to a year old. We have discipleship. We train people to do discipleship, evangelism. And one of the leaders of a church uh, outside of Iran, he's called Nader, was uh, discipling a man inside Iran. Now, this man inside Iran was actually, um, he was completely bedridden. He couldn't get out of bed. He was sick. He was getting older. He couldn't get out of bed. He had been part of the uh, Iran-Iraq war back in the 80s, and he had, he had, uh, he'd had a really hard life, and he was in this season of life where he was just bedridden. Now, what happened in the Iran-Iraq war, it was a really, really um, terrible war. I mean, people saw atrocities. There was chemical warfare. And a lot of the soldiers came back to Iran as heroes, but they were also kind of like really disturbed and so a lot of them were given what's called a red card which means they could do things and get away with things like because of mental illnesses they would do things that weren't acceptable but the government would say no they've been through the they've been through the war so we're not going to punish them for it so they were given a red card so this man inside iran has one of these red cards And so Nader is outside of Iran discipling this man. He's taking him through our Safar program, which is a discipleship journey. And at one of the stages in this journey, it talks about evangelism. And the man inside Iran, bedridden, can't get out of bed. He says, what can I do for the Lord? What can I do for the Lord? And Nader goes, I don't really know how much longer he's got left to live. He's just like, just learn about the Lord learn to love him, learn to worship him. And so a week later, people start reaching out to Nader from inside Iran saying, please, will you disciple me? Please, will you tell me more about Jesus? And this doesn't happen just one time. I think it happens about five, six, seven times in a week. People are reaching out to him. And uh, he says, "Who who told you to reach out to me? And it's the guy inside Iran who's bedridden. And so Nader phones him up. He says, "You have to, what? What are you doing? How, how are you reaching all these people?" He says, "I just go on social media and I put messages on people's pages and I tell them if they want to know about Jesus, I, I can help them." All right, and Nadir goes, "That's really dangerous. Like you could, you can't be so open about your faith. You might go to prison for this." And the guy goes, "Don't worry, I've got a red card." And so the most unlikely people. Are being used by Jesus to build his kingdom. This is happening all over the country, and I am so convinced. I pray for the UK so much. I am convinced that Jesus is going to do something really special in our lifetime. I'm convinced, and I'm convinced he's going to use regular people just like you and me to do it. So what does it look like for you to say yes to Jesus? And I pray that these stories from Iran's church will inspire you and encourage you to serve that kind of God. Um, I'm going to invite David to come up to just close us out. I've Got some magazines and some prayer guides here. They're in a box. I've got a few hundred of them. Please come and get them because I do not want to carry them back with me on an airplane. So please come and get some uh, magazines at the end today. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Joe. I'm not going to take a lot more time, but it's great to be with you. I'm looking forward to sharing tonight. I just want to share a couple of thoughts, bring it together, and maybe we can pray. Uh, We'll just ask you guys to pray where you are for the church in Iran. So I was born in Iran. You'll hear a little bit more about it tonight. My father is Iranian. Uh, My grandfather came to faith in the 1930s in Iran. So I've had the privilege of watching this story unfold for many years and it's really an incredible story as you've heard from almost nothing to one of the fastest growing churches in the world and the reason that we're sharing this with you is to encourage you that God is alive, Jesus is at work and we're praying that the same God who is at work in Iran, we know He's at work here but you'll see it more and more. When you think of a country like Iran, you think of persecution, you think of suffering, you think of the pain, and it's true. Um, Paul says in in, in Philippians chapter 1, though, he says this, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. I remember, I mean, I have... I've met so many people who've suffered greatly, that part of our team, people we know, we love, who've suffered greatly. One of my father's closest friends was martyred. But in December 2010, I got a voicemail from my friend Farshid Fatih. Maybe some of you prayed for him. He was fairly well known at the time. We, uh, uh, he was in prison in Iran for five years, um, but he... Sent me a voicemail, it was Boxing Day 2010, I missed the call from Iran. He says, David, they've come, they've arrested 60 of us. All our leaders are gone. The whole network, he'd started with two house churches, two families ended up with 50 house churches. They came in one moment, arrested 60 leaders. And he says, don't call, call us, don't try to find us, we're all in prison, just pray for us. And so when you get a call like that, you know it's real. But about two and a half years later, I got a letter from Farshid in prison. He was in prison for five years, so I've still got the letter. And I want to read you his letter to me from prison in Iran. And I just think it's going to minister to you. Um, and encourage you and show you one, just a little glimpse of the kind of faith that has enabled the church in Iran to grow so rapidly. And we're praying that that faith for ourselves, for the whole, for the church, and we're, we're trying to encourage that in Iran. But let me read you his letter. Now remember, I haven't talked to him For three years, he sends me this letter from prison. He'd been in solitary confinement for almost 359 days, for almost a year. This is what he wrote, "'My very dear David, how are you, my brother? How are you, my friend? How is Louise? Please give my love to her and your lovely kids. By the grace of the Lord and the prayers of the saints, I am fine. Not just fine, but rejoicing in God's goodness and love. We are four brothers here, and we had holy communion on my bed. My bed is two meters by one uh, one meter. Could you imagine four men having communion? But the wonderful presence of the Lord was there. And we were celebrating our salvation, not only our salvation, but we were celebrating God's gift, to watch, gift which has been given to us, the gift of suffering. Why should we not be happy for this wonderful gift? If God gives someone the gift of healing or the gift of faith or any other gift, he will not be happy for that? Of course he will. This is what I shared with our brothers before Communion, which is written in Philippians 1.29. Paul says, it's been granted to us not only to believe in Christ, but to suffer for His sake. What an honor. What a wonderful gift. That's why I'm rejoicing, and many people tell me that I'm the most happy person here, and yes, I am by His grace. Sometimes I'm thinking I'm passing through a wilderness, and maybe it's true. So I wrote a poem about my wilderness, and here it is. He shares his poem. My wilderness is painful but lovely. Some parts of the wilderness are covered by thorns and hurt my feet, but I love it. It's called Lovely Pain. My wilderness is so hot, my tears disappear before falling on the ground. But it's cool under your shadows, O Lord. My wilderness is like an endless road, but short compared to eternity. My wilderness is dry, but an oasis with the Holy Spirit's rain. My wilderness seems to be a lonely trip, but I'm not alone. My beloved is with me. Not only him, but faithful brothers and sisters Who I carry in my heart. My wilderness is dangerous but safe because I dwell between his shoulders. So I love my wilderness because it takes me deeper into you, Lord, and no one can separate me from your arms forever. With love in Christ, your brother, February 2013, Evan Prison. So when you hear a story about a church that is growing rapidly, it's because people know the Lord, even in their suffering. And so I'd love us to pray now for uh, the church in Iran. Maybe just gather around uh, where you are, five, six people, and pray that uh, the church in Iran, though it's suffering, will continue to experience the presence of God, will continue to experience His His Spirit, will continue to be courageous in witnessing, will continue to give out these New Testaments. Uh, As I came here yesterday, I got a message, another 1,100 New Testaments arrived into the country. They have to be smuggled in. They have to be taken in. Amazing stories about how they're distributed. I'm going to tell one tonight. Um, So, pray for the church, suffering and yet boldly sharing their faith. And then let's pray that we also uh, will share our faith. And you know, whenever we talk about this, it's not just that they suffer over there. There is deep suffering, I'm sure, within this tent. Um, so let's pray that in our own kind of suffering, we will be faithful. We will experience God's joy and blessings. And people will say to us, you're the happiest people, aren't you? And we'll say, yeah, we think we are because we know Jesus. So let's pray. Can we do that together around the, around the tent for... Um, Five minutes or so, and then Dave's going to come and close us. Thank you so much.
1: um thank you so much for your prayers again if if you want to learn more how you can pray for Iran this is a prayer guide it's great to do in small groups or individually in your devotional we've got some at the front there's some at the back but um I do if you were encouraged by Farshid's testimony um can we put up that last slide well I think it's the second to last slide is it the Jesus speaks Farshid one I love these stories so much that when I get to sit with people like Farshid and others like him, I'm like, I wish I could just take all of you to come and have dinner with us. Because I I give you these stories secondhand. So the heart behind this podcast that we've got is the first episode, I actually have a chat with Farshid. And so you get to hear his story from his own words. It's in English. It's called Jesus Speaks Farsi, but it's all in English so you guys can understand it. But please... These stories, instead of hearing them from me or David, you can hear them directly from the people uh, building the church inside Iran. So, Farshid's on there. There's other men and women who have been through similar things to him. If you're a podcast listener, if you want more of these stories, any app, anywhere you get podcasts, Jesus Speaks Farsi. So, please take a listen.
0: Thanks, Joe. Why don't we stand, can we, just for one wee second? I'd love to just honor David and Joe. Can you give me a round of applause? Just firstly, just… You know, one day we are going to stand before Jesus, and we're going to hear the well done from the Master's lips. But it's really important at moments, I guess, when we say it publicly. And guys, I just want to say well done for the amazing work that you're doing. And what I would love us to do just to finish. Just before maybe some of you go out to slip and slide or whatever it might be. Could you could you hold out your hands just for one second in the room? You know, one of the songs that Owen led us in um, just had that line: come breathe in us. So Holy Spirit, come, come breathe in us and finish what you started. Because this is for us. We pray for the church in Iran. We are the church. And what Joe has just said, the responsibility that we have simply is to say yes to Jesus afresh in these moments. And so the call which we started with, the call of Jesus upon us, simply, will you be my witnesses? So why don't you, your own way, just with your hands reached out, why don't you give a fresh yes to Jesus? Jesus, You are our master, and I thank You, Jesus, that You have said that You will build Your church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I thank You how You're building Your church in Iran. I thank You how You're building a church around the world, and God, we pray, Lord, even, Lord, in the inspiration of these stories, God, for the fresh things that You have yet to build and yet to do here in Ireland, God, in each of our own lives. And God, we just individually but corporally we say yes afresh to You. King Jesus. And God, we pray, Lord, just a blessing over everyone in the room. God, I pray, Lord, that as we just go about, God, even the rest of this weekend, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that You will inspire us and just use us. We thank You for the glory that it is, Jesus, just to be part of Your church, the beauty that it is to be caught up in the mission that You've called us all to. And God, just corporately, right now, fresh, we say, Jesus, Your kingdom come, your will be done in our lives, God, on earth as it is in heaven. We just honor You afresh in this space and at this time. Come Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, just a reminder, so the seminar's over, you can go out and mingle around. You can go to the slip and Slide if you want to. There's another seminar starting here in this tent at 3 o'clock. Freddie Headley from WTC is going to be sharing on creation's calling knowing God and bearing His image. And then over in the next tent, at the youth tent, sorry, one on the far side, or the kids' tent, uh, prayer. So, Lucy Hill and Lauren Jackson are going to be speaking on prayer, 24-7 prayer. So, a couple of different options for you. You can linger in the space if you want to stay in here Friday or go outside. But God bless you. We'll see you later. on.